In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Apostle says in the Scripture, I bend my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth is named. This is the epistle which we hear for the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which we'll have in only a few days. I often like to cite this scripture, however, on this Feast of the Holy Trinity, a feast which might well be called, with other titles, the true Father's Day. In another passage, our Lord tells us, call no man Father. And this passage is often taken out of context, especially by those outside of the church, in order to criticize the use of the term Father when applied to spiritual fathers, such as priests. It must always be read in light of the words which I have just read to you from the Apostle St. Paul. For God alone can we have a true Father's Day. And that is the meaning of the scripture. A man may or may not be granted children. The fatherhood which we find here on earth, and for which we have our own little feast day on a Sunday in June, usually not kept with nearly as much solemnity as Mother's Day, this fatherhood, I say, which we find on earth is not one which we apply to God to help us understand him. God alone is essentially a father. It's who he is, what he does from all eternity. What we know here on earth is the image of that divine fatherhood. The fatherhood of a God who, knowing and loving himself from all eternity, eternally begets that divine concept or word of himself, which is his son. And since nothing in God can be less than that God, the love shared between the father and the son can only be a third divine person with them. But divine fatherhood did not end there. As St. Thomas teaches us, bonum est diffusivum sui. It is the nature of good to share itself. The eternal Father and the eternally begotten Son, by that eternal flame of love between them, which is the Holy Ghost, chose to create. God is the Father of his creation, of all beings, spiritual and corporal. But he is the father above all of that creature who he says was made in his image and likeness. The soul of man, with its memory, understanding, and will, is the image of Trinitarian love. And when man, the center of God's creation, chose to rebel against his creator, the eternal father did not abandon him. He pursued him with the Father's love. 
so much that he chose to send his only begotten Son in man's form, like him in all things but sin. And he crowned that divine Son, who was now true man, with a sacred heart. This heart, raised up on the cross for our salvation, would draw all things to itself and cry out to the whole universe, never doubt the love of the Father for men. And so we find at last the true meaning of our Lord's words in the gospel, call no man father. We may love as a father loves, but only because God has loved us first. When our Savior says, call no man father, he means do not think for a moment that the real fathers are here below. And we choose to call God father because he seems something like earthly fathers. No, it is quite the other way around. No man could be called father here on earth were it not for the one true and eternal father who has begotten a divine son eternally, created us in time, and adopted us by grace. Providence, we see now, leads us to the celebration of today's Feast of the Blessed Trinity by means of the second great mystery of our faith, the Incarnation. St. Thomas says that when we learn, we must start with the things most known to us before proceeding to that which is less known. Now that the second person of the Trinity has come to earth in frail flesh, walked among us, suffered for us, risen again and sent his Holy Spirit to teach us all truth, we begin in this time after Pentecost with this most fundamental truth of our faith. So fundamental that this entire time after Pentecost is traditionally known as Trinity Tide. As St. John tells us at the beginning of his gospel, no one has ever seen God, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has told the story. We now begin to contemplate the internal life of God, this God who knows himself and through the conception or what he has of himself, loves himself. Only in heavenly glory, when we see God face to face, shall we be able to see the truth of this mystery. This is indeed how we conclude the octave of Pentecost and of all Eastertide with a glimpse of the life that awaits us in heaven. The elect in heaven belong to the family of God. The Blessed Trinity, seen clearly then and loved sovereignly, dwells in the Blessed as in a living tabernacle, as in a temple of glory endowed with knowledge and love. We cannot fathom this mystery here below, but we can adore it and give thanks to it. For the work of our creation and of our abundant redemption is the work of the Blessed Trinity, which is why we sing in the introit of today's Mass, Blessed be the Holy Trinity, the undivided unity. We will give praise to him, for he hath shown his mercy to us. Amen.